Frederick West, the builder accused of mass murder, just minutes away from a reunion with his wife, Rosemary. I remember describing the investigation as three to five dimensional chess. A house that holds unspeakable secrets. Suddenly you had a, a modern day Kinley and Brady. One of Britain's largest ever police investigations. It was the most difficult thing that I had ever had to do and ever had had to do. From the Daily Mail newsroom, I'm Stephen Wright. This is the Mail Plus true crime podumentary, Fred and Rose West, the serial killers next door. 25 years ago, I watched Rose West in the dock at Winchester Crown Court as she stood trial for 10 counts of murder. Fred West never faced the judge and jury. He had committed suicide in prison on the 1st of January 1995. But it was the first time, the first time we really heard the full details of a depravity. Yes. There's nothing that can prepare you, and you know this, Steve, very well. You know, there's nothing that can prepare you for coping with the details of something truly depraved. You can compartmentalise it, and I think that's what you and I have to do. We have to compartmentalise the worst. But you can't forget it. It, it lodges itself in your mind. The voice you're hearing is Fred West's biographer, Geoffrey Wonsall. And there's no doubt in my mind that people are changed. It is awful, an awful case. And everyone involved with it has been stained. And you can never quite wash it off. cameras craning for the briefest glimpse of the woman facing 10 murder charges. We weren't in the press gallery, certainly the reporters. We weren't sure whether Rose would give evidence. West was inside the court's building within five minutes. An extraordinary moment. It was, and very dramatic. One moment motherly and the next moment in a temper. You know, how could I be? I'm really, I'm just, I was pregnant all the time. This couldn't possibly be happening. And then lose a temper and then you come back again to me. Yes. As if there was... Two sides, two faces uh, to Rosemary West. The standout memory I have about Rose's evidence was very in the first few minutes when I think she was asked her full name and how many children she had, and she started crying. And it wasn't just that she started crying then. She was crying at the wrong moment, and it looked like it looked amateur put hour on. at the, the local sort of pantomime. Panto, yes. It was. It, it was appalling, yes. and it went downhill from there. Yeah. I covered every single day of Rose West's trial in the autumn of 1995. She was accused of ten murders, all but one apparently committed with her builder husband Fred at 25 Cromwell Street in Gloucester. The one she did alone was that of Fred's stepdaughter Charmaine, whose remains were found at another property in Gloucester in 1994. Between them, the Wests raped, tortured and killed 12 women and girls between 1967 and 1987. The testimony of the survivors of their abuse, such as their former nanny Caroline Rain and Fred's daughter Anne-Marie West, together with the evidence of decapitation that emerged from the remains of the victims, painted a truly horrific image of the utter depravity of the Wests. John Bennett, the detective superintendent who ran the case against the Wests, told me what he thought as he watched Rose West give evidence at her trial. In my eyes, it it cemented her conviction. She came over as 
cold and calculating. And she tried very hard to show a caring personality, but it wasn't there. She couldn't keep it up. And it, it just didn't exist. And I watched the jury look at her and you could tell they weren't believing her one iota. Rosemary West will spend the first night of her life sentence here at Winchester Prison at the end of one of the most harrowing trials of this century. And yet here we are now, what, 25 years? It's 25 later. years and I think it's, I mean, I've covered crime, big crime cases for the Daily Mail for the last 25, years. 27 years, <laughs> yeah. uh, quarter of a century, both here and abroad. Mm-hmm. It is, remains the most remarkable trial I have covered. The depravity which of what her and Fred did was laid bare. It was. Yet in the dock was this matronly figure, emotionless, with a crucifix, remember rightly. Yes. And um, she didn't look like a murderer or a serial killer. But she didn't. You know, you know what I mean? Of course. No. She didn't. Neither uh, of them did. That's the that, that's you know, a hiding in plain the, sight. They, If you were to try and cast them, it would be very difficult because they, everybody would think well, they look so ordinary. I mean, they were so incredibly ordinary and they, and they hid behind that ordinariness in a way yeah. which is quite remarkable. Mm. Um, everyone was underestimated. People may have underestimated the West at the time they were killing, back in the 1970s. But in the last 25 years, they've arguably eclipsed even the Moors murderers, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. So what made them so dangerous? Could their relationship be described as a folie a deux, a madness of two that drove them to kill? Or would they have been just as dangerous on their own? Rose meets mm. Fred, and yeah. it is literally the folie comes into play. Yeah. There is no question in anyone's mind yeah. that the sum was greater than the two individuals. Yes. Put them together, they become a very, very dangerous mixture. Yeah. He was dangerous before. He's already killed, isn't he? He's already so, killed. Yeah, yeah. So you add her, and you really do have a ferocious mixture. It was Hindley and Brady all over again, wasn't yeah, it? In, very, in many, many ways. Forensic teams have now unearthed three sets of human remains. This is quite common in couple murderers, according to forensic psychologist Dr Kerry Nixon. They're kind of bound together by their dysfunctionality, bound together by their experiences. They find each other and that becomes a really dangerous combination. And we see that in so many of the couple murderers that they would have been dangerous apart but they become a real toxic mix together. This was a joint effort. This was their hobby. I mean, okay, she liked to have very noisy, violent sex in the back of the van with Fred or with other people, but preferably with Fred. And at one point in the magistrate's court in 1980, Mm. the courts played an audio tape of them at it in the back of the van. I mean, this was what they did. And if they could find some young woman to torment, torture and eventually kill, they would do it. There's no easy way of looking at it it's very very unpleasant but the two of them were even more dangerous than fred on his own at the time some people believed and certainly rose's defense team tried to argue that the wests weren't equal partners in their crimes brian masters argues in his book on the wests 
that Rose and Fred's violence were very different in nature. Rosebury sometimes gave her children a, a thrashing. So it's the sort of thrashing I remember. My mum used to box me round the ears too, if I was cheeky, or if I didn't eat up these bloody beans on toast. She had a short temper, but it was not malicious. It was a short temper. She was impatient. Fred's anger was much deeper, and it seethed, and it festered, and it grew secretly until it exploded in the ultimate demonstration of anger, which is murder. There was a moment during the extensive questioning of Rosemary by the police officers when they were gathering evidence. Before this moment, she had been very stroppy. She, she doesn't like the police. She said, get off my back. Uh, you're a bloody nuisance, all that. And she was, she was very difficult to talk to, difficult to question. This was because she thought they found the remains of one body. When they suddenly told her, we found more bones, there were others buried under your garden. Nobody who was there in court that day can forget it. She screamed. It was a primal scream of anguish. What? Followed by silence. It hit her. This can't be true. And from that moment, because she was still on remand, she had to appear before the Gloucester magistrates together with her husband. But she never looked at him. She never spoke to him again for the rest of his life and she insisted that there be two policemen standing between them in the dock. And I think that the shock of her response when she realised that something much worse had been going on is something I can't forget, and I, I wish that more people had uh, taken that on board, really. Fred was obviously considerably older than Rose when they met. He had already killed. She was already sexually uh, active, it would seem. Within years, they had you know, abducted and, and molested Caroline, their former nanny, who was the dominant character yes. in their relationship. It, it, it changed. Well, certainly I think it changed from, from Fred, the, the far senior figure, the man who was, you know, uh, psychopathic, no sympathy. Uh, no empathy. No, no, no empathy, <laughs> no guilt. No guilt. Uh, she seemed to become the more dominant figure, and he became the butcher and the, and the person who disposed of the remains. Yes, I think there's an element of that, but I also think that Rose was not the same without Fred. Yes, I think the, the pendulum of the power between the two clearly shifted. Certainly once the series of murders had begun in the early 70s, Rose's importance is much more significant. And indeed, towards the end of their relationship, towards the end of his life... He admitted on a number of occasions that he was frightened of her, that uh, his temper was no match for her temper. She was, could be terrifying. And there's no doubt that that was the genie out of the bottle. He created the bottle. He created the atmosphere in which Rose could blossom, but she blossomed even beyond his imaginings and beyond his consideration. She was something. He'd created his own monster. And 
And I think that's something that became evident in court. It only took common sense for the jury to see that Rose must have known what was going on in her own house. From my own extensive research in the case, I know the Wests had few secrets in their marriage. Rose was a highly active prostitute in Gloucester, and, using a peephole, Fred used to revel in watching her have sex with paying customers. The only thing that always sticks I was given a tour by Socko and I was on my own. It was ramshackle, but Fred was very house proud. I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have made that extraordinary wrought iron sign saying 25 Cromwell Street and those yes. gates and all that. Yes. But it was very cramped. It was a half, it was a semi-detached. Um, it had extensions built on the back. And Fred was very proud of having paved over the garden, which in the end led to his downfall. Yeah. And the moment the jury set foot in the house, it was impossible for them to believe that Rose didn't know what was going on. It was so cramped and small. And the door to the basement, where the, you know, the cellar, which were the playroom quotes and the, yeah. where the children slept, was, you know, opened the front door and there it was. I mean, it's not as if you, there was a big hallway no, in the it, way. It, 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 there was an absence of direct evidence, but there was an overwhelming amount of common sense to be applied <laughs> yes. to the likelihood that Rose didn't know what Fred was going on. My own house is not too dissimilar in size. Uh, I'd hopefully say it's a lot more tastefully done than, <laughs> than the West House. But uh, no, it was similar in size. There's no way I could murder nine people and my wife not known about it. Yes. You know, and bury them in the house. And bury them, bury them in the cellar exactly. and in the garden. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it defies no, common sense. The videotapes. If they'd seen the videotapes that I was lucky or unlucky enough to actually see, they would have taken two minutes to convict her. Why do you, why do you say that? Well, because they're so uh, appalling. Um, um, Rose took great pleasure and Fred took great pleasure in um, videotaping uh, her, doing all kinds of incredible sexual antics, mm. most of which are unrepeatable, certainly. Mm. Um, and the facade that she presented of being this eternally pregnant mother figure would immediately have been destroyed. Mm. And remember the stories about Rose threatening the children, beating them with yeah. wooden spoons and Barry running down the garden and Rose running after her. She had a really violent temper. She was belligerent, uh, shouting. She, she was not um, mm. this little motherly figure that so often yeah. is portrayed. Former Detective Superintendent John Bennett saw the same thing in his contact with the Wests. It is clear from numerous, and I really mean numerous, witnesses that Rosemary West became insatiable sexually in every way that you can imagine. Uh, and that Frederick West, for all his bragging and his uh, behaviour and smutty talk, was someone who was more of a voyeur than a, an active part in lots of these incidents. In fact, criminal profiler David Cantor believes that their crimes would not have been possible unless Rose was involved. They really were able to use the fact that Rose would often entice young women into their car who would think, oh, well, there's this, this friendly couple, um, they're not going to be dangerous, and, and use that to take them into the house. And then Fred 
Unrose would abuse them and it seems very likely that Rose was as much part of this although she denies it totally as Fred was and that's the really poisonous cocktail these two individuals really uh, egging each other on and encouraging each other to carry out these most horrific crimes um, and to follow through with them over and over again and using the the camouflage, really, of uh, this happy family that they implied to the world initially that they were part of, uh, which, of course, was anything but the case. So can we say that Rose became the dominant partner by the end of their relationship? John Bennett certainly thinks so. It's clear that Frederick West's behaviour during the time that he met Rose was probably building up uh, and unfortunately their joining together was probably something that was a catalyst to the future. What caused them to continue is probably that they were gradually looking for some further excitement, something different. By the end, would you say Fred West feared his wife? By the time that Caroline Rain was assaulted, he was certainly concerned that Rose would find out that he had done anything wrong because Caroline made it clear that when Rosemary went to look after the children, Frederick was left down in the cellar with her and he raped her while she was tied and then cried afterwards and said, please don't tell Rose. He was clearly someone who would do anything for her. However, it's complicated because whilst I'm saying that she overtook him, she was as much a manipulator as he was. She wrote to him letters, the content of which I'm not going to go into, which indicated that she was basically his slave. That's the best way to describe it. She was his wife to do whatever he wanted to do, and she would do anything for him. Whilst Frederick West didn't want her to know of any activities that he did without her knowledge, he didn't want her to do anything without his knowledge, but she did. So Hmm. there was a problem because they both had their own secrets from each other. But it was quite clear that he was uh, trying to protect her because all the time he was making these admissions in a very sick and glib way how he had not just murdered these uh, poor girls, but also how he had decapitated them and buried them in the gardens. I think there was a point in which I think she hoped that he would would manage it, that he would manage to get her off. And in the end, I was just rereading it this morning, you know, the whole thing in Winston Green, I mean, him coming apart, really and writing this, I was loved by an angel about Anne McFall and writing these letters to Rose. Yeah. I think he thought in his own way that if he killed himself, mm. she couldn't possibly be tried, that yeah. they'd have to drop the charges. I think he yeah. believed that in his own mind. A mixture of arrogance and stupidity. Yes, naivety, a, a naivety, yeah, really. Yeah. Her husband may have escaped justice, but Rosemary West must still face the courts. She's charged with nine murders. I remember the day that Fred killed himself. Mm. I was on a doorstep for the Daily Mail 
I think I was in Sussex with a photographer and uh, about two o'clock I got a call from the news desk to say there was a, a tip going round that Fred had killed himself. Yeah. And I made a quick uh, call to an officer on the case and it was stood up. Uh, and obviously huge news, I had to rush back to London Course. to be involved in our our our, uh, our team coverage. I mean, it was a it was a, it was a scandal, <laughs> you know. On a more recently in the states, they've had their own one. Someone getting away yes. with it with Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> yeah. uh, killing himself. But it was it was an enormous scandal, and um, there was a lot of speculation the days after that, that Rose would uh, would uh, not uh, face court. She'd already been charged. Yes, but but uh, that Fred's cunning plan, as he saw it. Might indeed work. Might indeed work. Yes. Yes, and I think there was a, that was in Fred's mind at the time. Um, uh, it was extraordinary the way in which he believed that he alone could sort things out. Uh, uh, and the last documents he left, you know, I, I haven't bought you a present, but I'm, I'm give you my life. Clearly thinking that if he did that she would be all right. And mm. in that extent, the arm wrestling of their relationship, in a sense, balanced. Mm. I think he thought it was one last act. Rosemary West in public for the first time since her husband was found hanging in his cell on New Year's Day. Looking relaxed throughout, it was a court appearance she was due to share with him. We've spoken a lot about, you know, the psychology, so to speak, of Fred and Rose and what created them. But, you know, the victims in this case, they targeted by and large girls who wouldn't be missed. And there's no greater or worse example, should I say, of that than the Swiss hitchhiker, Teresa Siegenthal, yeah, who was sort of passing through Gloucestershire by all accounts and, yep. and disappeared and her family had no idea what no. happened to her till you know till presumably the police contacted them when they found the bodies when they found the bodies i mean yeah. she was a girl who had disappeared but no one no well, i'm sure her family were very worried about her but she wasn't on the radar the more i do this the more i've become convinced that sometimes we get the the story the wrong way around i'm becoming more and more moved by victims families absolutely you know who, who go through torment yeah. Absolute torment. It almost always costs marriages. Yes. It costs depression and brings suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all very well just saying, oh, well, the, you know, X, Y, Z did it. Mm. But get, spare a thought for the people who have to live with the consequences. Well, I absolutely. Mean, sometimes um, it's absolutely dreadful. Well, I think it was. And I spoke, when I spoke to ex Detective Superintendent Bennett, you know, him and his officers having to tell the families not only that their loved ones had been murdered but exactly what happened it was the most difficult aspect of the investigation and the most difficult thing that i had ever had to do and ever have had to do in my life visiting each of the families in their homes uh, all around the country uh, and explaining to them exactly what we knew about their daughter or their relative, uh, how they had uh, met their death as a result of um, the allegations or the information gained from Frederick West, 
uh, what artifacts were with them and all the information that you could know for certain was going to come out both at the committal proceedings and certainly at the trial. And it was something that clearly I will never, ever forget. You know, bad enough losing a child, you know, run over in the street, but what went on was was just yes and and the missing bones and yes all of, you know how long were they kept and what terrible suffering they must have endured and all of the above speculation over further victims perhaps buried at this mill near gloucester or at this well-used public car park haunts the inquiry team one of the biggest unanswered questions from the west case is if there are any more victims who were never discovered as regards any further victims how many victims there are and where they are and how many more there are. Former Detective Superintendent John Bennett. Even members of the family, their family, have made these mentions. Peter Bastome, whose sister is still unaccounted for, says the investigation must continue. There is no evidence whatsoever that there are these victims. And if there is victims, who are they? <laughs> we spent time and time and time over... The months during the trial, after the trial, and from onwards to try and establish who may have been victims of the West. More than 50 people have so far rung in to help identify nine women missing since the 1970s. Whilst welcoming the public response, senior officers are stressing tonight that until they have firm and reliable evidence, no search operations will begin. There is no evidence to say, for example, that they were killing men. There's no evidence to say that they were killing women 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of age. The evidence is that they were involved in picking up young women who were en route to somewhere doing something, uh, or had come into contact with the West uh, through uh, wanting to be employed by them, or were members of their own family. At the end of the trial, there were nine uh, young women that we felt that were more than likely possible victims of the West. And we made appeals, we did work on those nine. Over a period of time, we established eight of those to be alive and well. There are concerns, and I can see and understand it. we had them. There are gaps in the years of the murders. And there were individuals that made all sorts of suggestions about large numbers of bodies being here, there, and everywhere. And throughout the investigation, I cannot say that there are no more victims. All I know is that no one can say who these may be. There's no indication that she's going to lift the lid on what really went on in Cromwell Street and answer the question of whether there are other, other victims bodies. out there. I mean, yes. the police, detective super, or ex-detective superintendent John Bennett, you know, you, you know him, I know him, he deals in facts, mm. uh, not speculation. Yes, of course. But if you look at the timeline, oh, there's... Uh, the big gaps in between the murders and... I think that Mr. Bennett would understands why people, you know, can't help wondering, are there other victims? And if so, where were they buried? Well, you know, you can't go around digging up Gloucestershire. No. Um, 
there's all sorts of rumours about a farm, rumours about a, uh, an old um, monastery, rumours about where did Fre- Fred go in those critical three hours between Stephen phoning him saying the police are going to dig up the garden mm. and him actually returning to mm. Cromwell Street. Yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of those. But the reality is she won't tell any more than Brady told us where mm. Keith Bennett was. Yeah. Um, Rose is not going to say it's the it's the final secrets. Personally, I doubt very much whether she will ever say anything more than she's already said, which is absolutely nothing at all. Even if there are more victims, it seems unlikely we will ever be able to answer the question of what exactly happened at 25 Cromwell Street or how its victims met their ends. She's made no admissions. She's not in any way made any comment as regards the sadness of the situation. I think that she's uh, now almost for certain institutionalised. She's quite comfortable uh, with being who she is and where she is um, and her personal circumstances. There is no gain for her whatsoever to make further admissions or to assist anybody. She's in absolutely in her own universe her own mm. parallel universe if you like the color in her sky is different from the color in ours yeah, yeah. she does live in a different world and she's isolated herself and she did from a very very young age bear in mind she really was groomed by fred from the age of 15 she's had mm. she's had a very strange and complex and ugly and pleasant life mm. and there must be moments there must be moments sometimes when she says to herself, how did I get here? Or is she still so angry with the world that she keeps well, angry with Fred. Without that's, Fred. That's the question, really. Would they, would she have killed, murdered, had she not, had met she not Fred? Yeah. My suspicion, and it's only that, is that she probably wouldn't. I think he was a truly evil man. I think she became, became a wicked woman. She wasn't, I don't think she had a horrible, abused childhood, no question. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I think there was possibility that she might have gone in a different direction. But she happened to meet one of the most evil men we've seen in the last hundred years in this country. Yeah. So in that sense, that, that coming together, the folie adieu. The folie adieu. It becomes overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it's like a gigantic creation. So that chance meeting as we think it was we on th- the street in Cheltenham in the late 60s. Whatever it was, it gave us the most extraordinary, horrifying spectacle mm. in criminal history in the last half a century. I always think that, you know, so many people go missing each year, never found, no, no trace of them. No. And, you know, because I've so experienced in crime reporting, sure. you know, all this time I've been at the paper, you just wonder how many prolific serial killers are there out there, and we don't know whether there's another West another couple. West yes, yes, someone who, who, who've, who've created their own identity or indeed copied what they're doing and have been smart about evading detection. Yes, I think the, the, the one thing about Fred's natural cunning was he often or, or always tried to choose people who wouldn't be missed. Yeah. The exception probably is Lucy Partington, and the other one was possibly Linda Goff. Yeah. He targeted people he thought that no one would come looking for them. Yes. And I think that there are a couple, there are many cases of missing persons I'm, who's guilty 
is there another serial? Is there another West or Wests out there? It's possible. It was, but it was a very remarkable coming together of a very vulnerable, impressionable girl who turned, as you very interestingly suggest, into um, something much darker. We do to each other things that animals don't, and we don't have a have a reason. It's not a cynical view. It's fact. None of the things that happened in Cromwell Street are unique. They've all happened before. Hopefully they won't happen again, but they probably will, because it's, it's a trait that some humans have. You've been listening to a Male Plus True Crime podumentary, Fred and Rose West, The Serial Killers Next Door. With thanks to former Detective Superintendent John Bennett, Brian Masters, Professor Hugh Williams, David Cantor, Dr Kerry Nixon and, of course, Geoffrey Wonsall.